Welcome to Theology Matters. This is a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. This podcast is a ministry of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. I'm your host, Pastor Nick Boothman. With me today is Pastor Jay Riggleman, Senior Pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. Welcome, Pastor Jay. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be with you again. It's great to be with you again, too. So today we're going to tackle our topic of forgiveness, part two, because we left a lot of meat on the bone last time. We started uh, diving into this topic. We talked about forgiveness, you know, why it's so difficult to forgive somebody. We also talked about how we're supposed to forgive and why we're supposed to forgive. Today, we're going to talk about the end result. Um, how does that look like for restoration and reconciliation? What does it look like when we actually forgive someone? So Pastor Jay, how, how, would you, how do you answer that question? What does it look like? What is the end result of us actually forgiving someone? That's a great question, Nick. And before we talk a little bit about the restoration or reconciliation piece of forgiveness, I wanted to mention something that's going to drive that because um, when someone has hurt us, especially in a very significant way, we're not always thinking about reconciliation or restoration. It's very difficult. But what I want to think about first is the idea of obedience because for believers, uh, the Word of God makes it very clear that we are commanded to obey um, the, the prospect of offering biblical forgiveness to somebody else when they ask for it. So obedience is really where it needs to start because God says we need to forgive each other. And if I choose, um, for whatever reason, not to forgive, um, I, I'm really kind of disobeying God. And, and when it's hard to do that, I think the obedience needs to be what's driving um, my decision to do that uh, and to forgive people and the result or the product that will come uh, as a result of this obedience. Because in many areas of our Christian lives, um, feelings come into play, and it's hard to obey if we base our decisions on feelings. But if they're, obey, if they're based on obedience to God, then we see that result come in that we're looking for, um, even though it's difficult on the front end of it. So I think we need to obey. Um, it, that's kind of the motivation to do that. But then the product or result of reconciliation or restoration, uh, biblical forgiveness, uh, again, the Bible seems to be really clear about that. Biblical forgiveness seeks reconciliation whenever possible. And what I mean by that is both of the parties involved are affected by biblical forgiveness, not just the person who's asking for it, like they're the ones who did the wrong thing, but those who are extending that forgiveness, it affects us in a very powerful way too. So that restoration is not just about, um, you know, hey, I'm going to let you do whatever you want. Really, the bottom line is it affects both parties. Absolutely. And I love what you said, the point before this about uh, we have to obey even when we don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like always obeying I, wh- whatever the topic. And especially when we're talking about forgiveness, when it's very emotionally charged, we have to say, are we going to listen to our feelings? Or are we going to listen to the word of God? And like you said uh, very well, that we need to trust God even when our feelings aren't aligned to that. Uh, so that's a, that's a good step. Yeah, and I I think when it comes to um, the end result of forgiveness, uh, things like uh, restoration and reconciliation, those words even in and of themselves, I think sometimes concern people because they may be thinking, all right, somebody really sinned against me or they sinned against my family or there may have been something like a a tragedy or a, a drunk driver involved in killing a family member, those kind of intense things. And 
And again, reconciliation and restoration are the furthest things from their mind. But let's say that person who has done that, a particular act, sincerely comes to the other person and says, will you forgive me? What does that look like in a practical way? Well, first of all, biblical forgiveness does not absolve someone from the consequences of their actions. In Psalm 51, I love the picture of the fact that God readily forgave David when he repented of his sin, but God did not remove some of those consequences. But I do think there was restoration there, uh, and God did not let David off the hook from those uh, uh, kind of the end result of his sin against um, those around him and, and other people, even innocent people like Uriah. So, you know, that's just a practical reality. I, I don't know if you have thoughts about you know, the idea is, practically speaking, it doesn't mean that people get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you're asking for my thoughts, but sure, I just have more. Sure. No, I just have more questions for you. Uh, so okay. that's all. Yeah. No thoughts, <laughs> I'm turning questions. it back on you. Sure, okay. So uh, you're talking about reconciliation when possible. Is there ever a situation or maybe situations you can think of where reconciliation isn't possible? And when we um, talk about reconciliation, we're talking about restoring the relationship, which is a part of our, um, part of the process when God forgives us, we're reconciled to him. Yes. But in our earthly relationships, is there a situation that, that reconciliation isn't always possible? I, th- I think so to the, yes, to the degree that we view our reconciliation with God on a human level, it's not possible to always achieve that. Uh, And part of that is because my reconciliation or restoration to God is based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so when there are two people involved that are seeking to have reconciliation or restoration because of uh, something that happened and forgiveness comes in, on that human level, it may again just be the willingness to do this or the reconciliation might be, yes, I will forgive you since you asked for this, but there still will be boundaries in our human relationship to protect me or other people from future uh, future harm until maybe some more trust is built, or maybe there'll be situations where there has to be boundaries that are ongoing just because of, uh, the, uh, the responsibility we have to take care of other people in our lives that were affected by the offense. Absolutely. So another question for you, <laughs> got a lot of questions for you today. Um, you talked about forgiveness doesn't always absolve someone from their consequences of their actions. So there can be genuine forgiveness, but there's still consequences. How do you think about trust, the difference between forgiveness and trust? Because this is all often wrestled with where I forgive someone, but I don't trust them yet. Is that one of the consequences or should we trust somebody fully once we forgive them? No, I don't think so. I think that is one of the consequences. And again, uh, the trust uh, restoration or, or restoring is really on a case-by-case basis, in, in my opinion. I think we're trying to strive for that. So let's say it's a, a situation where there's forgiveness needed in a marriage relationship. There's been some unfaithfulness. I think the spouse uh, can forgive the other spouse, and the trust might be able to be built up over time as some things are put into place and, and it's kind of restored. To me, that's a little bit different than someone has harmed one of my children or one of my grandchildren, and they're asking for forgiveness, yes, but I'm not going to fully restore or fully trust them in certain situations because, again, it's outside of the kind of even the common sense of doing that. So it's going to be more of a limited trust 
Uh, and I, I don't think that's uh, violating biblical forgiveness. It's just being prudent. So I think the trust is a factor, and it's going to have different degrees of how it's reinstated when we forgive somebody. So if I have a babysitter for my kids, and uh, they, they watch my two kids, and I find out that the, the babysitter didn't watch them, you know, the babysitter just watched TV, neglected them. And, and my kids were running in the street. They were eating things they shouldn't have. And I find out about them and the babysitter says, look, I am so sorry. Forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. And I say, yeah, absolutely. I forgive you. But what you're saying is I don't have to next week, let that babysitter watch my kids. There has to be some tangible trust built back up because it would be foolish on me to to have that trust, even if there's genuine forgiveness. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, in that situation, I think trust looks like this. You can't be our babysitter anymore. That, that's a level of trust that you have to put in because you're trusting um, your instinct as a parent. The other part of trust looks like this. I'm going to trust God to take care of this situation in such a way that I'm not going to slander that person or hate that person or become bitter against that person because then I'm not trusting God to take care of the situation. So it goes both ways. I'm not just going to throw them back in with my kids, but I'm also not going to intentionally um, try to harm them or uh, abuse them by treating them in a way that's uh, kind of denies that I'm actually forgiving them. So you're saying I should fire my babysitter? I'm just kidding. Hey, you <laughs> that should. didn't actually happen. You should, but you're not going to post it uh, <laughs> yeah. on social media. <laughs> yeah, fair. So that's really good. This is this is helpful because when we talk about forgiveness, we have to talk about what does that look like for the relationship, uh, restoring it, reconciliation. Th those are things that we have to think through. Give me some of the, the negative, because we talked about the positive of forgiveness and the re relationship is tried to be you know, you're trying to restore that relationship. What happens when somebody doesn't request or grant forgiveness? What happens to that relationship? Are there consequences involved of that? Yeah. So let me start with uh, someone who's not willing to request forgiveness. So they're the ones who committed the sin against somebody else. It's very obvious. There's no question. It's not fuzzy. It's out there. It's obvious. So, but they're not willing to request forgiveness. Let me give you some uh, examples and, and then we can talk about them. And, and you said, how does this work? Who does this affect? Well, I think um, especially not requesting forgiveness primarily affects the person who has sinned in a couple ways. Number one, um, when we don't request forgiveness and have that tenderness, we can stay longer in our sinful behavior than God desires for us and is healthy for us spiritually. And so we stay longer than that. Secondly, our hearts can become hard to the conviction of the Holy Spirit because if, we're, if we sin against somebody and the Holy Spirit brings it to our attention and we keep saying, no, 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 uh, we, we can become numb to that conviction and that's super dangerous because we come, become more accustomed to uh, our sin. Thirdly, there's pride. Mm -hmm. As a believer, I need to humble myself um, at times and say to, to somebody else, you know what, I was wrong. Uh, I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? But pride will keep me from doing that. And then fourthly, another way it affects us, we start blaming other people. And, you know, that's kind of a, the, the kissing cousin to pride is that instead of taking responsibility and owning up to our sin and asking for forgiveness, it wasn't my fault. 
And why doesn't that go back all the way to Genesis chapter 2? The woman that you gave me, it wasn't my fault. That was the wrong answer. He, he wasn't really looking, Adam wasn't initially looking for forgiveness from God. He was looking to blame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's really helpful because when we sin, uh, usually when we sin, maybe I'm, I'm saying this for everybody, but I know in my mind, sometimes I put sin in a box and say, okay, you know, we can do this sin, but it's only going to affect this area, and I, I can just leave it here, and it's not going to affect anything else. But instead, it's like a poison, right? You, you drink a little bit of poison. It's, it starts shutting off your kidneys. It affects your, you know, all the parts of your body. We can't just uh, take a little poison and uh, affect, you know, think it's just going to affect our relationship with that person. It affects our hearts. It affects everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if, we, if we continually um, fail to request forgiveness it builds a coldness in us. It really does. And we become defensive. We're not open to um, counsel. We don't accept a positive criticism in, in a good way. Uh, we don't like it when people are trying to come alongside and help us. We push all those really positive things away uh, when we don't grant forgiveness, or not grant, but when we don't request forgiveness because uh, we've built up these walls and, and we've made it more about other people than about accepting responsibility for ourselves. Absolutely. So you talked about not uh, the dangers of not requesting forgiveness. So, hey, will you forgive me? What are the dangers of not granting forgiveness? So somebody comes to you and asks for forgiveness and you say, no, I will not forgive you. Nick, I'd love to tell you that it's a big deal to not request forgiveness, but as far as not granting, it's not that big of a deal. But the Bible doesn't let us off on this. I mean, Ephesians chapter 4, 31 through 32 talks about um, putting away things like bitterness and rage and anger and resentment, and uh, along with other forms of malice. And then directly after that, it talks about be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. So I think they're directly related. One of the best ways to keep bitterness and rage and resentment out of our lives is to be willing to forgive people when they sincerely ask for it, when they ask for that transactional forgiveness that we talked about in our first episode. Because in the end, the one most affected by unforgiveness is the one not willing to grant it. And so all these other things can can creep in. And and over the years as a pastor, I, I've had um, different uh, people in different churches where they, they're just unhappy and they're just, they're kind of really not really nice people to be around. And when I've investigated some of them, it's been, hey, 15 years ago, my sister said this about me and she asked for forgiveness, but I said to her, I'll never forgive you. And they've held that for years and years and years. I'm like, this is not going well in your life. You're an unhappy, um, bitter, resentful person, and you're really not representing God very well. Absolutely. So the the personal dangers of not doing uh, not either requesting forgiveness or granting forgiveness is huge. I mean, like you said, there's bitterness and rage and anger and resentment that all boil up inside you. And that doesn't go away until you um, do what you're so- supposed to do, do what God tells us we're supposed to do. And um, we can't neglect those things. So another question is, what about um, having somebody pay for what they deserve. I mean, this, this is a topic that usually comes up when we talk about forgiveness and people say, okay, I f- have forgiven them, but 
they really, really hurt me and I had to pay consequences. Sometimes it's money, right? Somebody does something and you have to pay um, the, the fine or something very serious, like if it's involved with court, maybe somebody loses their life. Uh, there's a lot of situations where we have to pay the cost of forgiveness and somebody struggles with, well, they're getting off scot-free. What, what happens to that person? I, I want to take revenge, but how, how do you help somebody wrestle through that? Yeah, I would say, kind of referring to the examples that you gave, I think the Bible certainly allows uh, for uh, people in situations where there's legal matters to use the legal system uh, to seek justice. Um, That's absolutely appropriate. I also think it's appropriate that um, there will be sometimes natural consequences that that person will face um, based on the actions that they did. And we don't rejoice in those things, but um, it's okay that those things are put into place. And sometimes even the justice is some of the boundaries that we put in place. And I think as well, those those ideas or those kind of uh, instructions are okay. Uh, the problem I see is when we personally seek revenge over justice. It's, it's, that's going beyond the legal system, going beyond uh, the natural consequences, going beyond boundaries you might put in place. This is where somebody does something against me, and I'm going to make them pay the rest of their life. Either I'm going to just destroy their reputation, I'm going to speak ill of them all the time, I'm going to just do the, whatever I can to just uh, really harbor this um, rage and anger on just like a high level against them for the rest of their lives. To me, that is a a danger of not granting forgiveness because in Romans chapter 12, Paul gives us some instructions which are really clear and, and helpful. He says to believers, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And we would say in this situation, we're talking about someone who's done something evil against us. So don't repay evil for evil. Does he go on to say, just let him get off? No, he says, be careful what you do in the right, uh, what is right in the eyes of everyone. So I'd say what is doing right in the eyes of everyone would be, can you use the legal system? Yes. Can you have boundaries in place? Yes. And then he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So as much as you can, even in these situations. But then he finishes with this. Do not take revenge, revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Understanding that God is the judge, and he's the judge in this world and the next world, and he will take care of these situations. Maybe not in our lifetime, but we're not in charge of justice. God is. Absolutely. Yeah, and and when we also think about the gospel, we want other people to pay. We want to give people what they deserve. But if we take a step back and look at how God forgave us, we don't want God to treat us like that. We love the forgiveness that God gives us. We don't want his wrath against us. So if we take a step back and say, okay, we're supposed to forgive as Christ forgave us, we can say, okay, I, I don't need to take revenge. I can, I can leave that in God's hand. He's going to make all things right one day. And um, that's okay because God has forgiven us so much and we can forgive too. Absolutely. This, this is another situation or an example of where theology or good doctrine uh, kind of trumps emotions, even though I, I know that they're there, because Jesus made it really clear. God has made it clear. I have no right to refuse forgiveness to someone who genuinely asked for it based on the fact of the gospel. I am just 
uh, undermining and betraying the message of the gospel if I refuse to uh, extend forgiveness to someone who, again, genuinely asked for it. Absolutely. Are there any other consequences against us for not granting or requesting forgiveness? Yeah, I think uh, Jesus uh, mentioned one other one in Mark chapter 11. He said, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. And see, the idea is, you know, they've done something against you, and maybe they've asked for forgiveness, but you haven't really forgiven them yet. And he says, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And it's connected to praying. So do I think that, un, you know, not granting forgiveness affects our prayers? Yes. Because as a believer, if I'm bitter, resentful, revengeful, all these other things, it is going to affect my prayer life. Absolutely. So obviously, since we've broken this up into two segments, this is a big topic. We could talk a lot more about this, and there's a lot of different scenarios and situations. So for our listeners, would you recommend any resources if somebody wants to dive deeper? Yes, I would. Uh, there's one book in particular. It's called Unpacking uh, Forgiveness by a Chris Bronze, is that, am I getting that right? I believe so. All right, I think so. I know that's the title. Yeah, Unpacking Forgiveness by Chris Bronze, an excellent um, book about what is biblical forgiveness, why is it so hard, and then what does it look like, and a lot of different things that people typically wrestle through, so I would highly recommend it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor Jay, for uh, your conversation, the discussion on this. Thank you. You're welcome, Nick. And again, I would just say to our listeners that if you want some more resources or you have some other questions about this topic of forgiveness, uh, feel free to contact the church and and one of us will reach out to you because we'd love to have a further um, discussion with you about it. Absolutely. And please join us next time. So our topic we're going to talk about on the next podcast will be guilt. I know I am forgiven, but I still feel guilty. God bless and see you next time. Take care, Nick.